and a half years since Mind Podcast started. We could not have reached here without your support. Thank you. If you like new voices, fresh voices, and irreverent voices, do support Mind Podcast. Click on the pinned tweet on MindMakers or visit mind.net. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia. And together with me is on a weirdly chilly Houston evening is Sunanda Vashish. How are you doing, Sunanda? Good. How are you, Adil? Uh, good. Just ready for the weekend. So, yes. And joining us from India is a columnist and a author and avid Twitterati. But um, primarily a columnist. His columns on Swaraj, um, uh, the recent one on First Post and other platforms are very interesting is Ashish Chandorkar. Hi, Ashish. How are you doing? Hi, Adit. I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Are it's great to have you. कब से हम लोग सोच रहे थे, and I'm glad this worked out this week. So, absolutely. So, so before I get into what dominated the news this week, uh, anything, anything specific that you wanted to discuss, Ashish, that you saw in the, this week? Well, I mean, this was the week of demonetization and uh, also the first. Uh, you, uh, गुजरात इलेक्शन हिमाचल प्रदेश वोटेड इन इंडिया दिस वीक ऑन द यूएस फ्रंट अपार्ट फ्रॉम द पोलिटिकल स्टोरी अबाउट ट्रम्प देर इज अ वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग बाई इलेक्शन और इलेक्शन दैट है this week in the virginia uh, uh, sorry north carolina governor race yes. which a lot of people were seeing as a referendum on trump uh, but trump after endorsing the candidate backed out so that's that's very interesting uh, what happened and also the the we discussed about the kevin spacey thing since that this there is a whole new pandora's box that have that have opened every time the, i switch on that's what i was telling you before the podcast mm. every time i get on the internet there is uh, another celebrity has fallen from grace i'm glad so, people are speaking up yeah, so, so uh, anyways we'll we'll talk about that so without further ado let's get started with the demonetization news so um, ashish i read your uh, column in i think it was in first post right uh, you wrote uh, about demonetization and then we also have featured a very interesting column by shwetang bhushan on it i wanted to know what are your initial thoughts about it one year since um, what what do you think demonetization has achieved and where do you think they may have missed the mark if they have Actually, did not 
uh, you know come up with any alternative explanation of what would measure the success of demonetization mm. so now because that metric uh, really did not fulfill uh, in the what what the initial uh, uh, claim or what the initial expectation of the economists was uh, in june we came to know that 99% of the currency came back so so basically that became like the overarching theme of judging whether the measure was successful or not but i think this was more of a political move or as much of a political move as it was, as it was an economic one mm-hmm. the, the reason was and uh, let me just uh, go back a little bit in time right in terms of how the whole black money fight in india has evolved mm-hmm. so india sees these movements every 15 20 years mm-hmm. uh, in in 1957 58 you had the lic scam where the the first in the finance minister resigned and then the the first shot at black money discussions came into the the public discourse then we had the whole gp movement in 73 onwards mm-hmm. the emergency uh, which which was again about uh, corruption and political uh, malpractices and so on we then had vp singh in 88 mm-hmm. 87 88 who actually went on to become the prime minister pretty much talking about the same things around uh, black money and uh, overseas accounts and then we had the anazare movement about 20 years later mm-hmm. uh, or 25 years later so these talks periodically surfaced in indian politics mm-hmm. uh, over the years now the all of the, if you really really analyze all these uh, moments in indian politics they've all failed to produce anything at all right people mm-hmm. come they make allegations and nothing much happens after that now in that sense the action on demonetize uh, action on black money uh, so so demonetization actually made something happen the something and that that something is still ongoing and what what is ongoing right now mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, the companies are getting debarred the directors of companies are barred from barred from trading in the market uh, as the money comes in there's a trail for black money so you, so the authorities can go after the depositors in terms of finding out where the money came from right so all these investigations will last a few years in fact the, the way our taxation system works uh, the whole return filing is only ended now in, in july right so now the data analysis will start and it will take like a year or maybe a couple of years mm-hmm. to find out the trails of all these deposits so compared to the history what has happened in the past where there was a lot of talk but really no action on black money the the aftermath of demonetization may actually lead to something now of course it has not yet been achieved in the sense that government is still looking at uh, who these depositors were and who like where the money came from but there's a possibility that this might happen and that really was the main effect it was a psychological effect of of uh, of, of of demonetization that people will now be wary about doing the same mistake a second time uh, absolutely and very interesting points see yeah. two two points which i would like to expand on here this the uh, first i'll go with the first point where he said that uh, there are the, when ashish very uh, eloquently listed out the movements that have been against black money and what you rightly said every 15 20 years that seems to be suddenly a movement coming up and nothing it has not thrown nab a leader i mean jp was a leader but then since you know moraji desai's government fell and everything um but uh, maybe this was this was different where actually you had a leader's popularity go up vp singh a lot of people sun the you tell me he was very popular in 1989 but then yes. his popularity probably tanked in 1990 
a year immediately. late immediately immediately so uh, this and is and then the second point i want to come in and wondered his goodwill i have never seen anybody else squander his goodwill that quickly as vp singh did morarji desai but um, or um, kejriwal also Kejriwal. but, but not I to that to, extent no, the, the second point that i was going to make is is what you said that you know what the real impact of demonetization is is probably that people are wary that this is not a government that will uh not take decisions they are reasonably decisive pretty decisive but on especially on this front so what are your uh, thoughts on this sunanda the critics no i my personal thing is even though i i am not going to go into um a success or failure because we haven't set standards on what is success and what is failure i think the whole demonetization exercise was done to put the fear of god in everybody i mean really to you know that if you are going to hold currency if you are just going to um you know indulge in anything like um, malpractice of currency then there is somebody who will come after you so that was that was one uh, this thing and that way we did you know you did have these white collar crimes where lawyers or doctors had um, tons were sitting on tons of cash so and that cash was never part of um, uh, you know means uh, the circulation the currency circulation that's my thing overall long term as um, as um, ashish very rightly said it's too early to say what is the long time impact going to be the short term impact however is less cash is fine but then there is also um, the cash flow has decreased for informal economy mm. so that's what i am worried about you know and, and has has See, government done anything to address so that exactly the transition and i let uh, ashish come in there so we do understand here that why demonetization was done we do understand that you know in the long run we will know what's going to happen my worry is here ashish uh, that you know india is primarily an informal economy and we do this is nobody's case that we don't need to move to a more formal economy my only point is that when we are moving from informal to formal economy and that pain that is associated with a lot of people for us it is just sitting here and talking but for a lot of people it's real problem so how it doesn't seem that that pain has been addressed so if you look at the initial days of demonetization in the first 2 or 3 months yeah. so i think it would be fair to say that there was a lot of pain in the economy right people did suffer in absence of cash because the alternative channels take time to create right? right even if you create a parallel system of say digital payments or government doing something around exchange of notes etc obviously that's not going to happen uh on day one so there was definitely a pain for the for the first 2 3 months mm. however it was very clear and i think a lot of political outcome tells you because in a democracy nothing really uh, measures success as much as the outcome of a poll right? right so right from the scheduled by election in madhya pradesh which happened nothing on 19th of november last year to the bigger elections the up mm-hmm. and the maharashtra civic mm. body elections the bjp did keep on winning elections right so mm. so even when there was a issue with uh, the the demonetization people were largely fine with accepting that in the stride because they thought maybe this is for a good cause mm. so the political outcome really justified uh the thing the action in, in the sense that no no but the political uh, outcome is also because of the personal popularity of narendra modi you know because because he yeah people saw that there was a genuine attempt to do yes. something right it was not just a rhetorical talk about exactly. oh you know let's kill back money or i'll yeah. find money in the foreign accounts you know 
stuff like that. Yeah. So there was something actually happening on the ground, mm. and uh, I think that did. Uh, Again, it's it's not about an economic success factor or a number that people were chasing. People were looking at a hmm. broad sense of uh, clean up in the economy, and I think people backed that move. So yeah. Yes, there was a problem. People suffered, but they took it in the stride. And one thing where I do say is like. People do say there was an increase in digitization. I think we can all concur that dig- probably digitization was an unintended consequence of demonetization, mm. and which is a good thing if there has increased of digitization. But what I would like and interesting is, and and this is probably not going to be being answered in one year or something. Maybe a couple of years down the line, uh, the PM ought to say that okay, this was the intended objective, and this is how much we've mm. fulfilled and stuff. And that would be interesting just to know. But another been. interesting thing has come out of demonetization. and i don't under, i don't know if uh, you guys have noticed or maybe you have in western societies when they moved from cash to cashless um, uh, economy so they moved from cash and then to paper currency i mean credit cards and then they moved on to and actually they have not even moved from credit cards to much um, anything else even western societies but in india that credit card revolution has completely been bypassed No, but there is there there is there is a there is another reason for that also, na. Ki uh, this was not really demonetization as much as it was a re-monetization. Right. So that I thought was very interesting. That's a good point. See, India was never never a great credit card society. Even uh, since the product came into the Indian market in 1970, I think, and even then, even till now, there wasn't much. Uh, Uh, uptake of credit cards because I guess it's one of the psychological things that Indians don't like to be in debt, right? Especially mm-hmm. on the uh, on the personal front. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think that uh, the the card companies are although they are growing in the last couple of last year has been pretty good for most of the banks in India who issue cards. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Sananda, in the sense that. The growth of other modes like wallets and so on has been much faster in that sense. And you know, I you'll no, be surprised just, to know that it's faster in India than it is in Western societies, which no, is no, which but, is heartening. But I have to tell you this, uh, Sunanda. Also, that probably would have happened had there not been a two thousand rupee note. Mm. See, when this this would happen when people cannot carry like you cannot if there was only hundred hundred rupee notes you cannot and not five hundred you cannot carry ten thousand rupees in your yeah. pocket like this right now five bills of two thousand and that's like a ten thousand rupee thing mm-hmm. so that's when that would happen so maybe and and again for such a big jolt that's why they probably introduced the two thousand one that the transition could be, could easier. be easier but who knows will they ease out the two thousand rupee note. in the near future one never knows mm-hmm. i am pretty sure he's not going to do it in this term wo aur gst kafi do jhatke we have had enough for this term yeah uh-huh. that's that's fine. enough entertainment so talking about entertainment i think ashish we should uh, it's a good point to move on to president trump so uh, <laughs> what do you think your initial thoughts well see i actually uh, contrary to lot of the views on twitter and also the indian media see i actually want to judge Presidentship based on what the what happens with the India-US relationship, right? Yeah. Whether the guy is a clown or whether you guys get your eight hours of entertainment every day, it doesn't really bother me living in India, right? In some yeah. ways, I mean, there are other ways to entertain yourself rather than looking at the US president. Yeah. So, uh, in in that sense, I think uh, I I feel that the whole Indo-US uh, relationship. Uh, I mean, obviously, the fact that Trump uh, did the initial nice talks around. Uh, Hindus for Trump, and obviously he he, he seems close to what what uh, endorsing what Modi was doing. In fact, just yesterday he made a speech in Vietnam around yes. how Modi was doing a good good, good work, etc. Right. So I think the initial uh, uh, noises are all good pro India. 
But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, Ashish. What you want to say is that not even Trump could stop the bilateral thing that is a concern that is for India right now. So that is the way not even him or not even anybody can stop that. There is overall, there is consensus. There is bilateral consensus on friendship with India and the alliance with India at the moment on the Hill. So I don't think not even Trump can ruin that. Yes, I think uh, historically maybe the Republican presidents have uh, have been closer to the India cause, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the way you see only, only since only since only since George W. Bush, though. I don't think it was necessarily the case earlier. Not as much, at least. Yeah. Also, so you probably saw after Clinton got the, uh, the, the the sanctions going against the Indian firms after the nuclear test uh-huh, in '98. Yeah. I think Bush kind of. Uh, but you have to remember, there were the people were also coming out from. No, no, and, and and also there are two two facets to uh, there are two things about India. Also, the first part was the India, India was closer to the Soviet Union, and then then yeah, after the Cold War, the Cold War, and then after that, uh, I think the Indo-US relationships probably took a significant turn after the Indian economy opened. Yeah, and that that probably was the uh, interesting thing. Although I think uh, since since George W. Bush, I think it has been it has virtually been on an upward turn, yeah. upward. Uh, so, curve. but in terms of domestic politics uh, Trump has um, I don't know the impact of Trump that has been on domestic politics has been significant in a way that uh, I, I, I hate to use this term but I have never seen like opinions so weirdly divided there is no center mm. when it comes to Trump and, and the problem is the reason I always joke the reason why that is the case is because Trump is the center now <laughs> I mean, he's at the center, so you have the uh, um, uh, folks saying, and then every day is like a new tamasha. His, his stuff on the healthcare bill, his things on this, and then since 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 then, it's been on. Uh, there has been a uh, there has been some attacks as well. So there are pe- like people have been talking about gun reforms, gun control, and stuff, and that's not happened. Um, what do you think, Sunanda? What? How do you view the first year of President Trump? First year of Trump has been very disturbing, to say the least. And uh, I, as I say, that not even Trump can ruin Indo-India-US uh, uh, relationship at the moment. But what Trump can do elsewhere will destabilize in the uh, world, and then in the process end up destabilizing India as well and the relationship as well. Uh, Trump at best has been very um, temperamental, has not been presidential like he has uh, he has disappointed a lot of people who have even who even voted for him and his twitter meltdowns his um, you know uh, he spends his entire time um, watching what television shows are doing so that has been a little um, let down Overall, he has not been able to take the Republican Party with him, um, which is which is again a problem because then nothing gets really gets done. Uh, but as far as India-U.S. relationship is concerned, and that is probably the only thing we should worry about at the moment, uh, since we cannot control anything else, that seems to be on a sure foot. I don't see anything happening on uh, that end. We have to see what he does with North Korea, though. Now, mm. but that is. I think other interesting uh, angle to that is the whole evolving situation in Middle East, right? Because yeah, I was coming to that intervention and whatever yes. the US role there is, the oil has seen a spike, and every spike in oil, uh, and especially closer to the election year, will make life difficult in India mm. because uh, already we are at 65 uh, levels, so people 
at one point we're talking about twenty dollars oil right now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's gone up twenty dollars from the levels of for the fifty levels. Mm-hmm. So uh, every spike from here on, and obviously if there's a war or even if there's a threat of war in Lebanon or against Iran, mm-hmm. uh, India will suffer. And, and the challenge is that. The countries with which India deals, which is Qatar and Iran, which mm. is which are two of the biggest suppliers for us uh, for gas as well as for oil, and they are all uh, both uh, on the wrong side of uh, not hostility there, wrong side of the U.S. Yes. equations. Yes. So uh, th- I just have to tell them that there's an unintended consequence here. Like, that's what I said. That's why I said. I said I don't. Really hurt the yeah. And, 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 there is another perspective also. You guys are talking about Trump's relations with them. Within Saudi, there is a churning happening right Within now. Within and that has blessing of Trump, uh, of or course. so Trump thinks. Uh, no, this is some... very important. This is very important to understand. Trump thinks that this is happening because of him, or Trump thinks that um, uh, you know uh, all this is happening for good. But we don't know Saudi. The House of Saud is such a insular, um, you know, family and the insular country. You never know what is going on there, and is it really happening? For the is Saudi Arabia going to open up? Are they going to give up their Wahhabi principles? What is going to? Is it going to stop becoming no, so the, um, uh, you know, whatever penthouse of global terror, headquarter of global terror? We don't know that, but. Trump at the moment is thinking that the purge is happening at his behest. No, and I would take that with a bucket of salt. No, and when a bucket of salt, I like that, not mm. a pinch. No, but when I said that, you know, that Sal- Prince Salman, uh, Prince, Salman. Prince Salman, who is uh, not the king, his son, mm. uh, who's who's supposed to um, um, uh, who's, who's modernize the Saudi. They're like, are we are going to move? There are statements that they are going to move away from uh, their uh, extremist thing. So I was like, why doesn't he list out what he finds extremist? Yeah. Because a lot of things that may they might find moderate like i think drive letting women how drive is not really what moving is from extremism by the way is what is interesting in those uh, in that thing is that at the moment there is a very silent and not so silent understanding between israel and saudi arabia against iran that is something to be watched that is that's that's phenomenal at the moment yeah. that um, you know to be you know to get even with iran so there is a lot of geopolitical stuff happening at the moment we don't uh-huh. know how this and is the, going the, to... And the hilarious part is that Trump was allegedly in a quarrel with his Secretary of State. That At least General. those were the reports. Yeah. But anyways, um, interesting points on the first year of Trump. Uh, dodgy domestic front, interesting international front, and unchallenged Indo-US relations. That is pretty much our verdict of the first year of Donald Trump. Uh, how the next three years go remains to be seen but I personally don't think there is an impeachment on the offing or something no. I still think he's going to complete his first term whether he wins another term I have my doubts yeah. so that's that um, here we'll take a quick 10 second break and then we'll uh, uh, go to the other topics that dominated the week uh, interesting discussion on on uh, Trump uh, let's talk about the um, uh, political news that Acha, before we get into that there was a very interesting event that happened and it happened in the last week but we we kind of forgot about well, I mean we tweeted about it but Ajkal uh, you know Dinke news itne aate you forget uh, there was a 100th anniversary of the communist revolution yes yes and Bolshevik revolution, Bolshevik revolution. in Russia, Russia yes. and uh, you know I mean a lot of people 6.5 million lives uh, as a Washington uh, as a Wall Street Journal article oh, says 
since in 100 years and the shocking part is there are people uh, seemingly sane people who apparently um, admire this ideology and i mean as you, you said jnu 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 the person that jnu is named after <laughs> he also admired the stalin um I, you know is... a lot of people uh, sorry just to interrupt but a lot of people google this thing you might have not heard read jawaharlal nehru's address to the indian parliament the day stalin died <laughs> and i think the parliament was adjourned after that yes i don't think congress leaders after nehru passed away give such a moving eulogy yeah matlab i was shocked it is um you know Uh, somebody was asking me the other day you know the oh but you have to understand the in, this was coming after two um world war i mean the um, first world war and um the intentions were good well the um, uh, you know hell is paved with good intentions ah, so that's not true. that's not the point but who wrote have, to hell uh, who wrote to hell but yeah. who have been the heroes of um communism in last 100 years stalin pol pot mao castro Chavez so these are all murderers and despots you know this is there is no difference between what hitler did and what mao did so there is no reason why hitler rightly should be vilified the way he is and mao shouldn't be so I, to me there is absolutely no difference between hitler and mao uh, communism is a deathly cult i'm glad it is dead the only place it's not died is jnu hopefully it will die there too in venezuela also venezuela yeah it's a dying country if they survive the economy is gone completely for a toss ah, so uh, ashish your quick thoughts about uh, this uh, remarkable thing <laughs> well i guess the only thing i can say is let's hope it doesn't happen again <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely <no>. absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean we can all concur as sunanda said never forgive never forget, forget and always pray that it never happens again yeah. is what yeah. we can add uh, i mean we have some remnants of that in india as well politically yeah. um, I don't think they will go away that soon because partly the uh, the this deficit mindset of the economy, which uh, we have all grown up with or we have lived in, will probably take a generation or two to go away. Right, mm. where uh, everything was rationed and everything was uh, scarcely available. I mean, some of that is changing now, but uh, the the general mindset of the people is that hey, you know, um, government needs to intervene and so on. So so while while uh, as a stated ideology, maybe it's not there in the country, but. We have, we do have governments in Tripura uh, and Kerala right now. Uh, also, the ideology kind of survives and thrives in West Bengal. And in But the general think, political mindset. Let me ask you. Let me ask. Change in the next generation. Yeah. Let me ask you both a question. Do you think India will ever have a genuine centre of right government? <laughs> Uh, I think it's uh, again if if you look at in the US context when the US thought is very different right i mean mm-hmm. i don't think we will get there in terms of uh, the 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 right wing economic definition of the US mm-hmm. but we we do have some characteristics like look at small things like like look at the modi government right now for example mm-hmm. so we are not in, in the classical economic sense in the sense the what 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 the analysts write yeah. we have a Budget which is controlled on fiscal deficit, mm. government spending is controlled, mm. government is trying to rationalize subsidies. So these are all characteristics of of center of right type of economic thinking. Right now, mm. can we reach the the uh, the Nirvana state of libertarian type of government? Obviously not. No. That's not going to happen in this country. Mm. But I think there are some some signs here and there. They may not add up to a, 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 a full philosophy, but I think we are we are showing some improvement. 
let me watch, just tell you one thing interesting quickly just a 30 second quip you, you know our constitution mandates everyone to be a socialist you know we are a socialist only, only after 71 yes only after 71 but right so now my, are, or as my grandfather would say that i am not mandated to be a socialist but my son is yeah so it is <laughs> so, it is uh, you know all of them they um, we are mandated to be socialist so unless that changes in constitution we will officially never be anything but socialist no, economy no, this But that was just a quip. No, no. But I, I, I have a, I have two points, uh, uh, Sunanda and Ashish, on this. First, on your point, Sunanda, when can you be a center of right? When you know what the center is, right? For a long time in in India, the center was the Nehruvian model of governance, which is decidedly left, left of center, if to put it mildly, Correct. if not completely left. Correct. So. if you get to the center of that it's it's this government is definitely to the right of that hmm. thing so once you get to the center then you are have something going to the right of center that's Correct. my first point second point to what ashish was saying that communism might not be completely dead because of political not just that you also have the academia in various institutions who uh, who probably live in a communist relic i mean i have cousins who study political science law other things and they tell me the kind of stuff that that they told and they are like thank god for google that they are getting um, different other perspectives but it see it, it she like one of my cousin was joking that it seemed like their professor had not probably googled a lot of these facts they were or, just you know or, or a lot of i know a lot of professors in my university delhi university when i was in stevens lot of them did not i mean had not actually gotten the memo that ussr has been decimated <laughs> so they still live in that era so that's there for you sure in the wire newsroom the wire Wired newsroom for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the wired newsroom. I meant, of course, no, I'm mm. kidding. But <laughs> no, but so, do you think Ashish uh, uh, things things will change soon in terms of the academic thing, or you think it's probably going to be a while before that changes? See the uh, the institutional control of the academy, as you rightly said, is very much left leaning. Okay, mm. there are individuals. There are many individuals. We don't know them because. probably don't want to come out in the open with mm. respect to their ideology right mm. but in one on one meetings or in in if you end up discussing it in a social setting there are enough people in the academy also who okay. really don't subscribe to the ideology of communism and the old style of the congress sponsored um, you know career build up which which really was a patronage driven network however these people are not in control of the institutions it's, it's a little bit like media right where mm-hmm. the owners call the shots so you can have individuals who may be right leaning but eventually the publication or the channel may have a very different slant because of the owners uh, own uh, or, or, or commercial angles or commercial links so the academy is also the same so i don't think that will change uh, And I actually don't believe that it can it can even be reformed rounds up. I mean, we hear about a why is the government not putting uh, X person or Y person in charge of this university or that university? I think it might be better. We might be better off just creating new institutions <laughs> in parallel rather than trying to cure uh, what's what's there. And I, of course, it has to be done at a very rapid speed because no, absolutely. The I, 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 and let's face it, we are woefully institutionally deficient. As in, like we don't have enough institutions as much as we should have, considering the amount of youth popul young population that we have. And it's huh. 
so th- that's that's a potential waiting to be harvested so to speak so interesting points so um, moving on to a little bit of a political political gapshap going on um, uh, have you been keeping up with the gujarat election and the himachal election what do you mean have you been keeping up with gujarat everyone has been keeping up with gujarat yesterday <laughs> yesterday himachal voted and it was not even on the news no i use the word keeping up because you have to keep up every hour <laughs> because everyone has been talking only about gujarat and nothing else hmm. about yeah. time na because um <laughs> yeah because uh, apparently if are uh, but i have to give credit to rahul gandhi today he finally discovered virtues in the gujarat model yeah he was praising the entrepreneurship of surat i don't know how nac aruna roy his mother's educational academic political advisors what they were thinking they spent a lifetime deriding the gujarat model But how it is bad so, i don't understand how he can be so dumb when he is actually going and praising gujarat entrepreneurs then he he should have known that everybody is going to come back and tell him that you know this is only because the bjp has been in power let's talk about the congress governments where congress governments have been in power or what is happening in amethi for that matter but he's i don't think you know all this um halabalu about the new makeover and everything you know it's it's just pr for sure but the product underneath is as flawed as it was always was oh, always was usme to kya hai your your thoughts on this ashish yeah i think the what is happening is these they are looking at a very event driven marketing right so mm-hmm. if you look at the current approach they move from one event to another event and there is no strand of thought common to the two events so morning he may say something around surat afternoon he may say something about the cast equation <laughs> evening maybe about the percent tax or whatever the the, the new purpose mm-hmm. but there is no single strand of thought and i think that's what that's where the opposition has lagged in the last 3 years after the modi government is that that the criticism can only be for a certain period of time on a certain thing but mm-hmm. then they really and I, i mean to be fair to the government they really haven't given a chance to to create too many openings on any particular front right so it, it is only very uh, event to event and that really has not helped the opposition and of course the advisors which rahul uh, uh, has i mean we are clearly there is a uh, lack of a consistent coherent thought process there in terms of how they want to tackle the uh, tackle the government plus he has not offered any alternative right so you can only make so many jokes <laughs> exactly. Can't say what, what. I mean, if, if you don't don't say what's next. So what are you? What what different are you going to do? No, but really, and that's the sad or the funny part in India right now about the opposition that the media uh, has offered up four alternatives: Rahul Gandhi, Arvind Kejriwal, Mamta Banerjee, and now Kamal Hassan. <laughs> I, I, what happened to Hardik Patel? At one point, Hardik Patel was also, uh, um, you know, somebody said no, and Kanhaiya. You forget Kanhaiya. Uh, in, in the next term yeah p um actually who was it who said that i see the new uh, arti jairath or something i see new india in kanaiya <laughs> I, mean, i i won't name the person but i'll tell you later on <laughs> <laughs> somebody said that i see new india in um uh, are you should have seen apurvanand uh, the uh, chief left wing correspondent at the wire or in his show he he's a professor he wrote this piece about kanaiya look indian express mein ya pata nahi kahan the, the kind of uh, things that were written and the the interviews of kanaiya that were taken i think even the anchors who interviewed him like did such a geographic interview will probably be ashamed of watching their own interviews yeah. and i was looking at this i was seeing this debate with uh, makran paranjpe professor makran paranjpe and 
आर जगन्नाथन बोथ बोथ ऑफ होम हैव बीन ऑन माइंड पॉडकास्ट स्मॉल ब्रैग एंड एंड विथ कन्हैया कुमार हु हैज नॉट बीन ऑन माइंड पॉडकास्ट अनदर स्मॉल ब्रैग सॉरी आई हैव टू से दैट सो कन्हैया कुमार मतलब इट वाज अ डिबेट इन द बैंगलोर लिटरेचर लिटरेचर फेस्टिवल एंड कन्हैया कुमार स्टार्टेड जस्ट स्टैंडिंग अप एंड स्पीकिंग लाइक ही वाज इन अ पॉलिटिकल रैली एंड प्रोफेसर प्रांच पे सेड अ वंडरफुल थिंग कि मैंने कन्हैया जी को देखा तभी मैं समझ गया ये अपनी आंखें बांसुरी बजाएंगे एंड दैट्स एग्जैक्टली व्हाट ही डिड सो आई मीन दैट्स दैट्स दैट सो आई रोड आई कीप टेलिंग आई रोड दिस पीस वन एंड हाफ ईयर अगो दैट दे आर लुकिंग फॉर एन ओपोनेंट फॉर मोदी आई स्टिल डोंट थिंक दे फाउंड इट subjected us to a lot of hate mail in the next week <laughs> <laughs> well that's a reality you, you, i am not saying it should be like that no no, no not about speaking hindi but when is a kamal hasan used to be the third hero in most hindi movies <laughs> I know a lot of a lot. <laughs> so you mean to say Kadir Khan had a better role than Rajinikanth in Ham? Daniel Anupam Kher, Anu Malik, I mean all of Anu. I mean Anu Kapoor, boy. Anu. Govinda, Shilpa, Shilpa. All of them had better roles than Rajinikanth in Ham. I know, but Rajinikanth was good in Chalbaz. I'll give you yeah. that. <laughs> so again, a second hero. Sunny Deol, I know. I, I, hey, I'm giving him a better thing than Ham. <laughs> so. In any case, but no, I I must say I'm a big fan of uh, Rajnikanth's dub dub Shankar's movies at least where Rajnikanth is. Shivaji is a must watch, uh, or at least for time pass. But I can't wa- I have to watch the dubbed version. Sadly, we're not so. talking about actors. We're talking about actors turned politicians. Here. No, but they're still actors. No, no. I just want to make it clear to the listening audience that we are talking about actors who want to be politicians, and that's something that does not impress us too much at the moment. Ah, at the moment. So, anyways, uh, that's that. Uh, moving forward uh, to the other issues that dominated. So, let's talk about the GST rate cuts. Um, what did you think, Ash- Ashish? Uh, good step. I, I mean, personally, I think it's a good step. I don't think this is just election electioneering, because if electioneering is not done, then GST will not come in Gujarat. I think this is this is probably uh, them reviewing, talking to a lot of people, and then I think taking a very rational decision. Yeah. See the whole GST implementation happened on the back of this wonderful uh, concept which they were achieving called revenue neutral rates, mm. which meant that they tried to slot things in a way mm. that the tax collected before GST would remain the same after GST came in. Right? Mm. Now, so what happened was they basically totaled up the various taxes which which were going away, like sales tax or VAT or you know what other the, the different things taken away, and they applied that rate to the the commodities in the new regime. So that wasn't very logical because of the way GST is structured, given the way the input credits flow and the way the supply. It's a supply chain driven tax in the sense that it's a consumption tax at the point, and the tax kind of builds up through the through the supply chain. So 
now what they are doing is uh, with the meeting yesterday. So uh, they have looked at looked at various goods in, in as as standard good, a merit good which is like public consumption, mm-hmm. or a demerit good. Demerit good. We can argue whether that's right or wrong, but that's the three classification they have made right now. And now they've slotted the various things, various articles in these three buckets, and hence assign a tax rate, which is a much better approach than trying to chase a concept like revenue neutral rate. Again, uh, it was one of those things which shouldn't have been in place to start off itself. Like the design itself was flawed by calling it revenue neutral. But uh, now, anyway, they have made the course correction, and that's a good thing. So I, I think there's a lot of criticism to be made on on the implementation side of GST. But anyone who's talking about a rate rationalisation probably doesn't understand the way rates were designed to start off. I think that this is a good step. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. Uh, chief economic advisor for um, no principal economic advisor, chief not chief economic advisor. This is a new position that has been created. Sanjeev Sanyal, principal economic advisor, who has been uh, on mind debates as well. Our little brag. Uh, he had a very interesting thing, and I'm sure both of you um, read it. So his take on this quote unquote chaos after GST was that famous that you know the dog and the frisbee um, uh, example that he gave and he said listen you know in the real world when you throw the frisbee the dog runs after it and kind of you know um, estimates the distance and everything and knows when to catch the frisbee you cannot make that economics is an ecosystem it's not something that it's not a set design so these things will happen there was never a good time for implementing gst um, so you have to be ready for the um, controlled chaos so to speak academically that makes a lot of sense however in real world i'm not sure how to um, apply that gst has uh, the you know all these fluctuations that keep happening in gst that you know it is it's a lot of trouble for a lot of people so uh, do you think that um, ashish and this question is to you that i do understand that this government takes feedback and it works well on that and that's that's very heartening to know but does everything have to come on a feedback can some things that are so obvious not be judged before implementation IT backbone uh, instance, and such a part of it, yes, there was a shortcoming, definitely. Uh, maybe things were done in a hurry and maybe the design was not the best. So yes, I think, uh, let, let's face it, it was a problem. It is being resolved. Uh, hopefully, they will get there in the next uh, few months. Uh, now, why that happened in terms of why the design was made in a certain way, etc., that someone, someone has to do the postmortem. So, so to, to ensure that it doesn't happen again in a new, some, something else which comes up later, right, in the next few years. But in terms of the actual processes and the tax, I actually think that the, the feedback mechanism has worked fairly well. Yes. I, I'll give you the example of, to, to continue from what uh, you, when you quoted uh, uh, Mr. Sanjeev Sanya. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the fact that the revenue neutral rate pre and post GST, that was a classic case of an economics static equilibrium, right? Where right. you say that, okay, fine, you don't want to lose revenue. So, we will mm-hmm. model things in a way that no money is lost for the government. Mm-hmm. But in reality, as the tax rates change, people behave in a different way. Like new entities have to pay taxes, which are outside of tax net earlier. Mm-hmm. Someone is going to claim an input credit. So these are dynamic conditions. And this is what he you know, causes us as dynamic equilibrium. So you have to change things as you go along. So as those realities flow in, as you realize that, hey, restaurants were actually 
just hiking up the prices rather than I mean they were claiming both input tax credit and hiking the prices based mm. on the, the GST numbers. So government made an I mean uh, they, they made the tax flat at five percent but no input tax credits. That is a classic case of the dog catching the frisbee, which is that the the dynamic equilibrium comes into play. Mm. So the the feedback mechanism definitely has to work based on the behavior. On the on the plumbing part, I agree uh, that there should not be a need for free feedback really there. They should have got it right the first time. Mm. But anyway, uh, better let the late than never. Yeah. No, absolutely. But at least they are doing something. And no, they have to because you also have to understand that a lot of people, especially small businesses, haven't done that. Are not used to. I'm not justifying. No, no. That is, but they are not used to. So you also, to, also, uh, to be fair to the government, this kind of reform has not been attempted in a country of this size anywhere in the world. No, so they really didn't have a precedent. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it's both ways. You know, you have ways. to, but you have to educate the audience uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not the Absolutely. audience in case this is a consumer. Yeah. So, anyways, that's that's our take on GST. So uh, we are nearing to that part, uh, the end of the podcast. And Ashish, um, there is one thing we always do: we give uh, non-political recommendations of movies, uh, books, or anything uh, to our listeners uh, every week. So I, I'm going to come to you in a second, but first to Sunanda, any recommendations this week? I know I have a very beautiful. I have resurrected a film that I don't think many people know. It's a and I'm sorry if this has something to do with politics. I I, I can't stay away from that. But there's a 1986 film, an offbeat film called New Delhi Times. Mm-hmm. It was it starred um, my favorite actor Shashi Kapoor and Shirmila Tagore, and it was directed by Ramesh Sharma and screenplay by Gulzar. It's one of the few movies and probably one of the only movies that does it to this scale talks about the corruption in media there are very few films that talk about that the media the nexus between politicians and media is remarkably addressed in that film it's a very nuanced film and remarkable um, you know performance uh, you know by shamla tagore and shashi kapoor both very very nuanced film so uh, it's on youtube i i sort of stumbled on that film one more time last week so i would recommend new york uh, not new york times do not read new york times watch new delhi times it's a it's a beautiful film it was made in 1986 and um, i think it's one of the finest films of shashi kapoor classic foppa if there ever one yeah. was ashish any recommendations you have for our listeners this week uh, i will talk about books on history so uh, on 10th of november the for the uh, very important day in indian history in that uh, the jyoti chatrapati shivaji maharaj killed his uh, one of his rivals uh, chief rival at the tapgarh fort in 1659 on that day so that was an anniversary day yesterday right mm. for that uh, event yes now uh, the maratha history is really not very well understood and the fact that uh, uh, the british actually took over this country from marathas and not moguls is also not very well appreciated mm. so there are two books which i would uh, recommend to understand the whole dynamics of uh, the, the, the maratha empire and how things uh, moved in the 17th and 18th century. These are two books by Dr. Uday Kulkarni. He is actually a, a, a medical doctor who served in the uh, Indian Armed Forces for many years, and he is not an historian. Um, so the two books of his, one is the Era of Bajirao, which which was released uh, last year, 
and also sold stakes in Panipat, which talks about the 1761 war, which was released a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. So those two books uh, by Dr. Uday Kulkarni, his Twitter handle is Mula Muta, M-U-L-A-M-U-T-H-A, uh, named after the two rivers which flow in the city of Pune. Mm-hmm. And uh, very enlightening books. Uh, for anyone who is interested in history and the polit- contemporary pol- uh, politics of history, right, and India, like how things get colored by, by their political considerations, uh, eye-opening books for anyone. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. interesting. I'm going to read this for sure. Yes. Uh, so my, uh, I have uh, two recommendations, movies both. Uh, first is, uh, again, uh, from the sublime to the mundane, uh, an English movie that came out called Thor Ragnarok. For all superhero fans like me, it's a must-watch movie. It's, it's fun and great fun to watch, the latest Thor movie. The second one is an old Hindi movie. It was an adaptation of Sidney Pollack's movie 12 Angry Men. It's the 12 Angry Men. It's called Ek Ruka Hua Faisla. Uh, it's a movie by Basu Chatterjee. And uh, the entire movie is set in one room. And uh, from, I think Pankaj Kapoor is there. I watched uh, it, yeah. Anu Kapoor and then um, uh, K.K. Raina plays the last juror. It's a wonderful film. And I think that's on YouTube as well. So do watch that movie. It's yeah. a very interesting It's a movie. Oh, you'll almost feel like you're watching an extended TV show. But yeah. It's excellent. So anyways, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Ashish, for joining. We can't end this podcast without uh, having Ashish invite us for a special poha session at his home. Ha. We we do need that. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't just want... Yes. I was about to say. Yes, we have to have a poha in, session. In, in, in Pune, probably missile would be the right way to go, right? Yeah, politics yeah, over. Exactly. Let's call it politics over poha. Politics <laughs> over poha. <laughs> People will be fighting politics over poha. There is already politics over Rasgulla. Oh, yeah. There is a court case now going to happen between Odisha and. There is a court. Really? I, oh goodness gracious so but but it suits completely well after firecrackers the supreme court will rule a rasgullas <laughs> excellent that is excellent that is just the right way for to keep lordships busy absolutely but you take the rasgullas and take the kalkatta and take the bhubaneswar we will take the original hai. so anyways that, that ends the podcast this week thank you so much Ashish for joining this has been great fun thank you Ashish Absolutely. Thank you all for joining Mind Podcast this week. Uh, this is Adit Kapade and Sunanda Vashish signing off. We'll be back next week with more stuff, more fun. Uh, till then, keep listening to the other podcast. After you're done with this podcast, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We'll be back next week. Adios.